Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1234 in Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you in Tampa Bay. Some guests and orders now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow Sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. I'd like to tell you about Valentine's Day at Roos Chris, but if you're listening to this right now and you haven't booked a place yet, you're probably in Chateau Bowell. So do what I do. Make February 13th. Here, Valentine's Day. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor that Oilers Now sent you. All right, without further ado, we're going to head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, and we are going to be joined by our headliner today for touchback safety, and that is the one and only Louis DeBrus. From fall protection to forklift training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. You know, when people think of the great Tampa Bay Lightning players over the years, they think of Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman, and now Nikita Kucherov. In the past, they thought of Brad Richards and Vinny LeCavier, but the guy that trumped them all joins us right now, Louis DeBrus. Hi, Louis. How are you? Yeah, I made, I made a significant impact in the one year that I played in Tampa, that's for sure. But uh, I, I think actually they spelt my name wrong on the team picture on the wall when I went in there the one day. So that's about how much I meant to the organization. I will say this, though. Us playing the way we did that year got them Vinny LeCavalier and eventually they won a Stanley Cup because of the players they had. So we kind of had a little hand in helping them go in the right direction. So I'll take that credit. Louie, that's what we love about you. We love how self-deprecating you are. But is it true that years later, you tried to get into the building in Tampa Bay and the security guy, despite the fact that you had an NHL pass, did not want to let you in? Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you, I'm surprised if you uh, just make sure you're ready for a lengthy standoff at that door because they can be uh, fairly, uh, I'll just say incompetent when it comes to uh, reading credentials. (laughs) That's the only way to put it. You know what, sorry, but there's just no other way to put it. But yes, we did have a difficult time that day, and uh, but we did eventually get in. So, uh, yeah, one of those well, places well, where the listeners. guy didn't, really know, didn't know what he was looking for, and we all had the right passes, and he still wouldn't let us in the building. So, uh, there was maybe some unkind words that were said after a while, but uh, we eventually did find our way through the door. 
All right. Sorry for interrupting, Louis. So just so our listeners know, uh, we have uh, two sets of media passes. One, which is standard for the NHL, which is supposed to get you into every building in the league. It's sort of a little wallet size pass. And then there's also the broadcast passes. When you're part of either the radio or the television broadcasters, it gets you into the buildings as well. And a couple of years ago down here in Tampa, you and me both had both sets and we could not get into the building. They said, no, you have to have the individual game pass which brought us into a conversation well why don't we have these other two passes that work in the other 29 buildings at the time of the league because i don't think vegas was in the league yet and it led to no, the worst a memorable part was, st- Bob, the worst part but was that on the the actual picture above the check-in gate it showed you the acceptable credentials and those were the ones that were shown on the picture so we had the acceptable credentials. listen it was one of those situations where obviously he was uh he was mistaken, and we tried to convince him of that. Eventually, I think we just walked in. I don't even know how it eventually got settled, but we finally said, listen, we have a job to do. We need to go into the building. So either call some more security that knows what they're talking about or if we're walking in the door. Like, what do you want us to do? But uh, I know he was just doing his job, but I would, I would argue that he wasn't doing his job very well. All right. Well, the funny thing is, is that you're a former Tampa Bay Lightning. That's the point that I was making, combining those two stories. Hey, Louie, could you imagine if you decided to come on a trip down to Tampa Bay to see this game and you thought you were going to see McDavid and Kucherov and Stamkos? Wow. How's that for just the confluence of events, Louie? It really is. And, you know, Tampa was just on a mega roll. Uh, and they just, you know, a team that really is coming on strong. And I think that everybody needs to be aware of because what happened to them last year, finishing where they did first and then losing in the first round, I think that was a real adverse learning experience for them. And they'll be more prepared for it this year. They're, they're a really good team, very offensive-minded team. But this year, their, their goals against are down bottom three or four, I think, as well. So they're, they're, they're playing the right type of hockey. Um, but listen, injuries are part of the game. McDavid out is a huge miss for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they did a great job there tonight against the Hawks to win a game. Leon Dreisaitl was all world in that game, just really kind of led by example right from the get-go and set the tone in the game, I, I thought, with the first shift. The first shift was a real tone-setting shift for, for Edmonton, and they were able to continue that throughout the game, even being down a couple of times in that game. But for the Tampa Bay Lightning, let's face it, they're deep. They have a lot of players that can step up and fill positions. And it shouldn't be as much of an impact for them losing a, a player like Kucherov because they have um, guys that can fill in, guys that are ready to step up, guys that are suppressed in that lineup, and that's why they're such a good team. They're one of the deepest forward teams in the National Hockey League, in my opinion. So it won't, be as, it won't affect them as much, I don't believe, uh, in my opinion. But uh, it should be interesting to see how both teams respond tonight. And right now, Louis, some of our listeners are saying, Louis, Bob, what concerns me is Edmonton went in Arizona. They didn't have Ekman Larson. They didn't have Kemper, and the Oilers weren't very good. Uh, the Oilers I, came I, back to home against San Jose, and the Sharks didn't have Couture and Hurdle, and Edmonton was awful. Are the Oilers a team that doesn't deal with prosperity? Well, yes, McDavid's out, but they're playing a Tampa Bay team with three of their top six forwards out and two guys that are, you know, Kucherov's the reigning Hart Trophy winner, and Stamkos is a legitimate star in this league, and Sorelli's really coming. Like, you got to capitalize. I, I, I realize Edmonton doesn't have McDavid, and I realize Tampa's deeper, but you're never going to get a better opportunity to capitalize to win one on the road in a tough place to play than tonight, even as well Well, as Vasilevsky is playing, Louis. Oh, totally. I I agree with you, but I I, by no means do I look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and think that they're 
you know, an injured team in that regard. They're still a formidable team. They have terrific players, they have terrific depth. But I agree with you. You know, it's something we've talked about over the years with Edmonton, um, which is unique in the sense it's easy to get pumped up for games where you might get your lunch handed to you. You know, it's kind of like, okay, wait a second. Um, this team's a very good team. Let's get prepared for this team. Let's be mentally focused and sharp. The two games that you referred to, uh, I agree. It was kind of a little bit of a letdown. Now, they were coming off of that series with the Flames. They were coming off a, a win versus the St. Louis Blues. And I do think there was a trickle over and a carryover from that um, that just took some time to get over. I, you know, we joked and said marathon supposed to take a year off your life. A couple battles of Alberta have to take a few games off the season for you because it just both teams, even the Flames, didn't respond after that series very well. They're starting to find their legs a little bit now. But, I mean, those were very um, intense, uh, very built-up games that we love, but also it takes a lot out of the players. Uh, no excuses. I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but I mean, I think the games pretty much spoke for themselves. They just didn't seem to have that drive in life. I think sometimes, you know, if I think about it, I, I would almost characterize the Oilers at times as a counterpuncher, you know, type of a counterpunch type of game they play. They play a system, they wait, they collapse in the defensive zone, they wait for their opportunities, they have the skill of a few players that can dictate and dominate play, but overall, they're kind of a counter-punching team. When a team comes in and plays a really strict, sound, defensive game and doesn't give them a whole bunch, they, they need to learn sometimes that they have to go to work and go to the attacking mode a little more often. And I think that's what they did against the Hawks. When, when they play that style of game where they are aggressive on the forecheck, and we talk about that forecheck all the time, if you're not disrupting the defense's ability to break a puck out quick enough, you're just not gonna you're not gonna sustain any time in the offensive zone. Um, if teams are breaking out easily, that's a real indication early in the game that you're obviously not doing something right. You're not putting a puck in the right area. You're not being aggressive enough on the forecheck. You're not anticipating that forecheck enough. You're standing up at the line and waiting. It's not a good game to play. You have to all be on the same page to play that type of a game. And the first two shifts against the Hawks, what happened? Puck shot in. And they established that right away. They got possession back, and they had a great two chances in the first shift. Yeah, Moto could have had a goal right away. And then Chan scores a goal on a nice pass by Cassian. Um, right away in the game versus the Hawks. That's the type of game they have to play, make the other team defend. We just talked a ton about the offense the Tampa Bay Lightning have, even with players out of their lineup that they have. You have to make them defend. We're joined by Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stauffer with you. It's 1243 in Edmonton, 243 Eastern Time out in Tampa Bay. Louis, uh, the Oilers, so at the start of the year, the big surprise was Ethan Bear. And he's been wonderful, and most fans would probably suggest, because they know their hockey, that he's their best puck-moving defenseman. Uh, after Christmas, the big surprise moving forward has been Kyler Yamamoto. Two orders, drafted and developed players. But that line of dry, subtle, RNH, and Yamamoto, why does it work, in your opinion? <laughs> well, there's a number of reasons why it works, and it's been... Uh... It's been great to see. You know, it's one of the, it was one of those conversations we've had for years now about separating Dreisaitl from McDavid. In order for that to work, and listen, the guy that's, you know, just, you know, disclaimer, the guy that, you know, kind of has had to pick up a little heavier load is Connor McDavid. He's had a ton of different wings yeah. that have jumped up there and played in positions with him, and he's still been able just to tick along and keep going. That's just the elite player that he is. For Leon, though, he's had some difficulty in the last few years when he has been put on his own line just to find that chemistry, that synergy, and more importantly, the consistency in his game. 
But the reason it works is because the players he's playing with. And, you know, Leon is leading by example now. He feels great about the line. He feels confident in that position, which is the utmost importance for a player in the center position. Then he has Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's also a defensively minded player himself, being a centerman naturally, playing the wing. He's a fast player. He thinks quick and he makes quick plays. And then you have Tyler Yamamoto. That's just been the special ingredient on that line, in my opinion. And his tenacity on the puck. He's a workhorse. He picks off pucks. He turns pucks over. When you're playing with elite players that like to have the puck on their stick, you have to get the puck back and get it to them. That's exactly what Yamamoto does. I don't know if you're going to find a clip anywhere watching Kyler Yamamoto where he has the puck on his stick for more than five seconds, more than four seconds. He's great at distributing the puck. He gets a puck. He moves it quickly. He gets himself to another position, and that's the type of player that has to play with Nugent Hopkins and Leon Dreisaitl, it fits perfectly. You can't buy chemistry. Teams have tried to over the years. It doesn't work. Sometimes you put three guys together and they just click. There's no question this, this line has had instant chemistry and it hasn't changed. And that's why they haven't haven't broken them up. And I wouldn't touch that line with a 10-foot pole. Leave it alone. Yeah, we had somebody text the show a few shows ago saying that Yamamoto's nickname should be the Honey Badger. Uh, <laughs> I like that, Honey Badger. You, you like the Honey Badger. You know, and I didn't see I was going to say. It's amazing because I did not see that extra side to his game. Uh, he came up and played games, you know, and, and you watch him play and you say, okay, listen, he has a knack for getting to the right spot to get his opportunities. He couldn't put it in the ocean in the first opportunities that he had in his first stint in the National Hockey League. And, you know, he was really frustrated. He talked about that. Coming back up, he was more prepared mentally. He was more prepared physically for his chance. But... The, the thing you liked about Yamamoto's game early in his career when he got his opportunities were he was getting those high-quality chances. And I always say that if somebody's not creating high-quality chances in the top six, then there's a problem there, you know, because you're there to create. That doesn't necessarily mean the puck's going to go in the net for you every time early on. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you take off and it's great. Other times you have to work at it to, to find that finishing touch at the NHL level. For Yamamoto, he was always in the right spot. It was amazing how many high-quality chances he was getting, but he just couldn't bury it. So you knew there was something special there in the sense that the timing was there, and he understood where he needed to be to be successful. He's gotten faster. He's gotten a little stronger. And more importantly, mentally, he's more prepared for this opportunity, and he wants it. But the extra tenacity that's come out in them, I didn't see that. You know, and that, that's very common with young players when they come into the league. You're looking at the players you're playing against, and I'll speak from my own perspective. Here are guys, when I stepped in the league at 20 years of age, I'm, I'm fighting guys that I've been watching on video for the last five years. So when I'm, when I, I remember clear as day stepping into the National Hockey League and going, wow, here I am fighting Tim Hunter in like my third or fourth game. And I've been watching this guy battle for a decade. You know, this guy's like a KG veteran that's fought everybody that's come around, and now I'm fighting him. It's a whole different animal. It takes time for you to believe that you're on the same level as those players. And I think that's maybe what happened with Yamamoto a little bit. You're watching, you're, you're thinking too much. Now he comes up after seizing himself down in the American Hockey League, and he is absolutely ready to take a grab of this position. And that's exactly what he's done, and it shows in his play. 
All right, Louis DeBras joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Louis, we're going to switch focus, hit on two more topics, uh, both which had to do with something that occurred in California in the last couple nights. Scary incident two nights ago, yeah. Anaheim and uh, St. Louis. Jay Bo Meester, uh, you know, played for the same athletic club that your son did, Southside Athletic Club out of Edmonton. He was a, a literally a phenom, you know, helped uh, the Brick win the tournament. His P is, uh, I don't even know, what, what is that? Are they Pee in the brick or like they changed the age group anyways spectacular player first overall pick whl bantam drafts played forever won a cup last year scary situation two nights ago and, and so far so good in terms of uh you know the response and i mean they, hey that's they had to louis they between colton pareko uh and i believe shen and Alex Petrangelo, they had to lift a uh, the bench out of the bolts. The the bench was bolted down because Jay had slumped after he, uh, you know, had the had the heart situation, and they had to get that out of the way. And then they were they were obviously going uh, doing what the docs had to do. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that during the course of your career? Not in a game that I was playing, and I've I've seen some some very critical um, emergency situations in my career playing, but I've seen it around the league. I mean, obviously Fisher comes to mind as a player that collapsed on the yeah. bench. Um, and that's that, that's kind of what I thought of when I saw Bo Meester, the way that he went down. Very similar situation. Um, you know, nothing but concern. I mean, I, I rattled me. I texted you right away, actually, when I got that news. I texted yeah. you because I know that you know Jay, you know Dan very well, his dad, and his dad was there on the dad's trip as well. And I just, you know... I'll tell yep. you what, it rattled me the whole game. You're thinking about it the entire time. Jay's uh, just a great kid. Um, you know, I got to meet him at a very early age when he was really young. I skated with him in the summers. Now he skates with my son. So that goes to tell you how long he's been around and played in this game and how much of a pro he's been. Um, so nothing but concern. I'm so happy to hear that he's, you know, he's stabilized and they're doing some tests and you wish nothing but the best and you hope full recovery. I mean, that's that's the first thing on your mind. But yeah, you know, you could tell in the eyes of Colton Pareko, especially when you could when the camera went to him and he was talking to some of the Anaheim Ducks. You could tell that he was the whole bench was just really they were in no mental mind to go back to playing hockey. So I think it was a great decision by the league, not only the team that that happens to the St. Louis Blues, but also the Anaheim Ducks. This is a small world, the hockey world, and when something like that happens, you could tell immediately that people were very, very concerned, rightfully so, and. It's just really hard to turn that off. That's you know, I I, I just think it was a very yeah. good decision to cancel that game at that time, postpone it. Um, and credit to the people on board there. Credit to the training staff, the medical staff for doing what they did in as quick time as they did it. Um, that's why they're there. And you wish, you hope that they never have to ever do anything like that. But when the time does come, that they need to step up. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, boy, did they ever step up. And, um, that's all I can say about that. Obviously, lots of concern. You wish nothing but a full recovery for Jay. Yeah, and, you know, apparently got tested like four months ago and everything was fine and they still don't have all the answers yet. I guess, uh, you know, and I have had a chance to communicate with, uh, uh, I'll just leave it at that. Anyways, all things are good right now. So uh, that's good moving forward. And you know this about Jay, he doesn't like a lot of attention. No. And so, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's getting texts left and right and from people and well wishes. I couldn't believe how many people just leaving the game. Like you texted me just before the end of the second period, Louis. How many people came up to me during the second intermission and then uh, on, you know, after the game and getting texts from uh, other uh, coaches around the league, you know, hockey people around the league and player. It was, it was, uh, it just put things up. And this is a guy that's universally liked as well. Uh, but again, the medical staff did a fantastic job we leave with a bit of a fun topic okay another thing that happened last night in southern california and that was an old school knockdown drag them out scrap between the the perhaps the reigning champ in milan lucic and a young rising lion in curtis mcdermott of the la kings what what did you think louie well, I'll tell you, like that McDermott's a big kid, and I played against his dad, and his dad actually grew up very close to my hometown in Port Alderman, Ontario. So, you know, I'll tell you what, he uh, <laughs> he's a big boy, and that's the second time they fought this year. And it looked like McDermott kind of got loose. And then what it did, though, was it, it forced Milan to start going on the offense and start chucking the bombs because that's the type of fighter that he is is he'll try and control you as much as possible, but if he gets in trouble, he's not one of those guys that holds on. He'll he'll defend with offense, which I love about him. He'll just start chucking bombs. He did kind of catch him off balance with that last one that put him down. I don't think it hurt McDermott at all, but he was swinging away. I wish that would have gone about another 15, 20 seconds because they were starting to really get after it. But those are two big boys with bad disposition and, you know, Taking ill wishes with each punch. They were bombs being thrown. And uh, you don't see that too often. So good to see. I know Lucic was under some criticism for the Battle of Alberta. I had a real good talk with him in the dressing room the next game in Vancouver that I did. And he said, listen, you know, like, he didn't feel at any time throughout that Battle of Alberta that there was a situation where he needed to step in and do something above the rules. You know, he felt that everybody stepped up and was taking care of themselves and guys were fighting that wanted to fight. It was everybody was in the heated battle. But the last, I think, two of the last four games he's fought. Um, so he's starting to ratchet that up, too. And he's still a formidable opponent. I mean, he's still one of the toughest guys in the league. And he's right up there. I put Ryan Reeves up there. Curtis McDermott certainly is a young guy that's making a big name for himself, taking on the big guys. So that was nice to see. It was a good battle. And, uh, you know what, I don't think it might be over between those two guys. They might have a history, and they might continue to do that because they were talking in the in the penalty box. Awesome stuff. Hey, Louie, where are you this Saturday night? I am in Calgary doing the Chicago Flames game. All right, well, uh, the Hawks have got 70, 70, no, 87 shots on goal in the last two games and oh, two losses. They need one in Calgary. was fantastic last night in that first period especially. In the first period, it probably should have been 3 4 nothing for Chicago. I don't I know they didn't have their first shot on net till right around the 10 minute mark and they were being outshot 13 to nothing I believe at the time. So Yeah. Jacob Markstrom was 
rightfully so. On the night that they put the Sedin's numbers up into the rafters, it was a Swedish-born player that gets the shutout. Just a terrific performance by him, and he shuts the door on a Hawks team that is really battling right now and trying to find some offensive um, game. And they just, you know, it's not because of the lack of the way they're playing. They're getting chances. They just can't put it in the net right now. But look out if they start to. Louis, thanks for your stuff, man. Take care. All right. Take care, bud. All right, uh, quickly into our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, now that uh, we are in Tampa, I think the CBA should be discussed, says former defenseman Mark. The Lightning are a prime example of how it's rigged towards benefiting teams in the United States with no or low state tax. Other markets literally can't compete with those teams on contracts. It must be addressed in the next CBA. I don't expect it to, but the league should use an adjustable rider that puts all teams on an equal playing field if they don't many of the stars will opt to play for those teams as to as opposed to the more financially successful revenue sharing teams well we know stamco stayed in tampa bay because he could make more than a million less per year because of the less tax that was withheld than in uh, toronto say and it certainly played a uh, factor in Bobrovsky's contract as well do want to mention to you uh i think we've almost closed off our trip to chicago with new west travel you get your opportunity to see the orders and the blackhawks as well as tours of wrigley and soldier field for the orders now chicago roadie call new west travel at 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com we're going straight into the break it's 1257 in edmonton eileen bell up next with a global news weather traffic update when we come back elliot freeman for the river Cree resort and casino Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.